Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving you all a game recap of the Thunder Blazers game. Just the stuff that went down in that one. Really, really crazy stuff from Monday night. And just how some of our players performed and really rallied together in this one. So, just going into things... There were actually some tiny storylines that were building up before we entered the Moda Center. And it, it was just off a simple, you know, tweet from an ESPN writer. You know, he leaks that Damian Lillard's going to have this OKC-oriented shoe. I, I talked about it in my last podcast. I did an article on it. You already know. He has this little, uh, I guess, in his new Adidas shoe... He's going to pay like homage, I suppose, to his Game 5 performance he had against the Thunder back in the 2019 playoffs, where he goes for like 50 points, 6, 7, 8 rebounds, something like that. Puts that on the insole, and his shoe is black, orange, and blue. So everyone's going kind of crazy, and what do you know? We are actually playing them like one or two days after this tweet ends up airing. So... You know, it's just perfect timing there. And I do want to say, though, whenever I was, like, trying to talk about Lillard Shoe, I was just throwing, like, random jabs out there. Most of them probably didn't even make any sense. I was, like, comparing them to Skechers shoes or whatever. Um, I, I was, like, complaining that the colorway was jacked up because it's black primary and then you got the orange sprinkled in with a little bit of blue up top. I thought that's not what the Thunder were wearing in Game 5 of that Trailblazer series, I just have foggy memory because we were wearing our statement jersey in that game with like this really dark blue color, so pretty much black, and then we got the orange OKC lettering with the uh, electric blue all over, so they got the color scheme right, good for them, but yeah, that's honestly about all I can say about that shoe. Anyways, I mean, people were kind of just getting like this random chatter out of it, I guess uh, they found some humor in it, and you know, what do you know, we're playing each other, maybe Lillard debuts the shoe, he did not do that, and that was actually a good decision on his part, and I'll go into that in a little bit, but we had Lillard's little storyline, and then we also had the injury bug just going around for everybody, and for the Thunder, I mean, we knew Al Horford was gone, Josh Hall's in protocol, and then Ty Jerome and Trevor Reza, we, we know that they're just not with us right now. But George Hill, surprisingly, he was not going to play in this one. And he dropped like his season high of 22 points in Sunday's game. So him being just stripped from the lineup seemed to be a pretty big, you know, hole that we have to fill in our game. And, you know, that that's what we had to do. We actually had to throw in Teo Maladone as our starting shooting guard in this one. And I was really surprised, actually, because we've had this situation before where George Hill is out for one reason or another. And Hamadou Diallo was the guy that ultimately got the starting gig. And that, that's just what makes sense, you know. Maladone, he's 6'5", 19 years old. Kind of not as consistent as Diallo is at this point. I feel like Diallo... It's just a straight-up flamethrower now. Like, he'll go in and give you 10 points in 5 minutes, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, he could have been thrown into the starting unit. But that probably would have just limited him because he is a guy that needs to be 
kind of running the show. We've seen that before. People like complaining about it. But it's it's a really good attribute to have when it gets going. Like if he's able to cook up isolations, he's the best player on either side. He can be the best player in the whole entire game when he's in the zone. So throwing him on the second unit really does end up getting the best out of him. And pulling Maladon into the starting lineup actually really really uh great idea because you get the experience with the starters sga and maladone seems like a very good pairing at the beginning of the year so we finally get an extended run with those two so we got to see a really really young lineup here i forgot what the exact average is but our lineup starting was sga maladone we had uh, Lou Dort and then Baisley and Roby. So all these guys under 22, it's got to be some some sort of record here. But we have this really young lineup. And for the Blazers, their lineup is just kind of filled with uh, normal like bench pieces. And that's because Nurkic and McCollum, they're out. They kind of are out for some long-term injuries. And then Zach Collins, he's still out. I don't even know if he's played this year for the Trail Blazers. But the kind of surprising one was Rocco. Robert Covington did not play in the game. I had him as playing, and I actually said in like the game plan for us, we want to make Covington shoot the three ball because he's like a 30% three-point shooter this year. Well, that just couldn't happen because he wasn't he wasn't playing. You know, he's on the sidelines cheering on his team. So instead, we got Carmelo Anthony being the starter. And, you know, 36 years old. You know, the 36-year-old he is, he's squaring toe-to-toe with the young Darius Baisley. And then at center, you got to patch it up with Enos Cantor, who is, you know, a very, very solid big. And at shooting guard with McCollum out, I expected Hood to take the starting gig. No, he actually lost it to Gary Trent. So Gary Trent was starting for them going into the night. But just heading into the first quarter, you know, the game plan that was used with the Clippers in their two-game set was just passed right on to the Trailblazers. And that was, on a high ball screen, do not go up on Roby or Muscala. Because Muscala shot 1 for 9 on Sunday. Roby shot 0 of 2. It just was not a good source of offense. And those, you know, 10 missed shots we may have had from downtown could have been the ultimate demise to that Clippers game and they wanted to test us out and Enos Cantor who we know is not that great in the pick and roll defense anyways probably wouldn't have been stepping up regardless of who it was but with Roby he wanted it he wanted to test him out and he didn't play defense SGA smartly just kicks it out to him early he dots up a three-pointer out the gate our first three points our first shot is the three we break our O of 21 nightmare of a streak we had going on against the Clippers no first quarter threes no our first shot just knocked down that three and then Isaiah Roby he's pretty confident so a couple possessions later he gets the ball and just runs right inside the paint picks up an and one nails the free throw he gets six of our first eight points and for the Trailblazers their only response was going down low as well and that was with Enos Cantor. He was going toe-to-toe with Isaiah Roby inside. One of the best rebounders in the entire NBA. I believe he's holding some advanced stat right now in offensive rebounds. I think 
the good majority of his rebounds are actually coming from the offensive side of the ball. So he's very great there, and that's what he was doing because he pretty much was the guy everyone was relying on. He had six points and three offensive rebounds in the first six minutes. So he's getting boards, kicking it back out, or just laying it right back up. And I think he had two defensive rebounds. He was just doing it all uh, when it came to doing the work inside, and that's really what they needed here without the presence of Yusuf Nurkic in this game, especially when they're jacking up so many long balls. They need someone to corral those rebounds for their squad. And, you know, after Kanner kind of fires back in the first six minutes, the Thunder, they got on a pretty big run. And we got on this 8-0 run by Darius Baisley and Lou Dort. And Darius Baisley, actually, before the 8-0 run, was pretty solid. Like, he was penetrating to the rack. But in this 8-0 run, he was doing that and some. He was getting threes, driving inside on Anthony, the slower Anthony. And then with Dort, he was kind of just doing the exact same thing. Like, people are trying to practically smother him at this point since they know he can shoot. So he can go right around you or he can pull it. So those two guys get you those eight points and they were coming from deep and they just continued to keep piling on the three point shots and it was due to the trailblazers simply just not covering the pick and pops and they were over helping on drives kind of the exact same issue that the thunder had over the weekend the trailblazers had it so just swapping roles here we were the clippers in this game in the first and the Trailblazers, they were this weekend's Thunder. And one play in particular that I loved from this little stretch of like driving and dishing, getting the wide open three was from rookie Teo Maladone. And he drove right into the lane for like a potential runner. He's at like right at the free throw line, damn near. Maybe a step in. He may have that shot, but he realizes that Mike Muscala's man who should be defending him in the right corner, is kind of sneaking down low, and he recognizes that, and he just gets up to like the apex of his shot and missiles it to the corner. Muscala's wide open. No one is in the vicinity, like 10, 15 feet. Yeah, no one. Everyone's like around the basket or just way far away. Muscala could have waited 10 seconds, and no one would even be close to him. So he, he could have been able to take his time. He just wanted to let it rip, and he nailed the wide open corner three. And we built that 8-0 run to an 18-4 run in a span of four minutes because we kept finding people wide open from downtown. And we had as big as a 17-point lead in the first quarter. And if you guys remember, in Sunday's game, the Clippers held a 17-point lead through one we didn't keep that 17 point lead because the blazers finished pretty strong they cut the lead to just 10 but we were totally in rhythm out the gate and the thunder they shot six of 12 from three in the first oh of 21 in those past two six of 12 in this one completely changing our game plan the blazers probably were just swept off their feet here they're probably dazed that we were able to get so many high quality looks and convert on them they're probably expecting SGA to drive in 50 times and 
no one else really having to get involved from outside. No, SGA kind of just took a backseat role in this first quarter, and he was letting the other guys operate. He only shot the ball once in the first quarter, and instead he opted to get two assists. And he wasn't even the main guy getting the assists. I mean, Maladone, he had three assists in the first quarter. So the guards were kicking it out to some of the unlikely names like Muscala. He had two in the first. SGA chipped in with his own three. As I mentioned, Roby. We got Baisley and Dort all getting one. So yeah, we're cashing in big time from downtown. And the Portland Trailblazers get a load of this. They shoot one of eight from three. And I think their, their one three they made was like at the very end of the quarter. So this really was a role reversal. And we will absolutely take it because, you know, as we know, being down 17 points in the first quarter is kind of a hard mountain to uh, to climb over. And, you know, Blazers found themselves in that hole not even 12 minutes into the game. So, I mean, we were shooting 56.5% in, in that first compared to our um, 32% in that Clippers match. While the Blazers, I mean, they were just shooting 39% in the first. So they couldn't feel it. We were, like, all on the same page. And in the second, uh, it, it actually did not seem like we were on the same page. It was kind of just all pandemonium in the first two minutes, particularly in the second quarter. Because the Trailblazers chopped our 10-point lead to just two. They get on an 8-0 run. And... You know, one of the reasons I was thinking this, like I was watching the um I was watching the start of the second quarter and I'm like, "What what are we doing because we take Maladon into the starting lineup. Who's the backup point guard here? We really don't have one right now because Hill's not playing, Ty Jerome is not playing. Diallo, I guess yeah, Diallo is technically our our point guard off the bench and Diallo was the one. Williams He's playing at the two. We got Justin Jackson at the three, Poku at the four, and Mike Muscala at the five. I think you could probably rearrange the two through four spots. But yeah, that's essentially what it was. We get this like gigantic lineup out here. Not any super athletic people. Really, it's just Diallo. He's able to drive in and he's surrounded by a good amount of shooters here. And the issue that it had early was we just were not able to keep up with them. The Blazers guards were able to just penetrate as much as they wanted to. And even like Mike Muscala down low. Yeah, he's a decent rebounder, but he was kind of sacrificing rebounds. Like even in that span, we were getting out rebounded big time. And, you know, surprisingly, we uh we got out of that mess like it seemed like we were just gonna cough up our lead and it's like oh my gosh we are going to be down the rest of the game nope nope and that's because mike muscala he kind of redeemed himself he cashes in on a three-pointer and then i think we may have gotten another one anyways we get on this 6-0 run to push it back up to eight fairly quickly and from that point on we were just kind of exchanging buckets right here and Carmelo Anthony in the second quarter literally looked like he was playing in his prime. He shot 0 of 4, so he had 0 points in the first quarter. But in the second quarter, he manages to go 6 of 7 for a grand total of 13 points. And this is just shooting right in the faces of all of our guys, specifically Kenrich Williams. 
And he was kind of just the reason they were able to kind of stay in this one. And it seemed like the way he was shooting at such a high percentage, they should have taken the lead back. But Mike Muscala was simply not going to let that happen because he was matching him shot for shot. And while Carmelo was kind of just shooting from the mid-range, Mike Muscala, he was shooting for the three. He was going for the money ball, and he was doing it very, very well. He didn't even play in like the last half of the second quarter, but he still managed to be such a big contributor in those first six minutes. He put us in a spot to to stay in the game because if you're going to combine his first quarter totals with the first six minutes of the second, he tied his career record of five threes in a game. He shot five of seven in 11 minutes from downtown. He had 15 points off of those threes as well as like a technical free throw. So he had 16 points from halftime off of just shooting and no one on the Blazers could find a way to stop him. So he kind of just had the torch in his hand and he kind of just passed that torch off to our starters because our bench lineup gets taken out, mass subs all across the board and the bench left them with a 10 point lead to work with. And there were just too many Thunder players playing at a very high level for Portland to kind of stop and shut any particular person down. And due to that, we led 69 to 60 entering halftime. And this was hands down our best half of the year because not only was 69 points our season high for the half, but we were also just getting every single player involved. And it wasn't this game where, you know, maybe we have like SGA or Dort leading the charge and everyone else is kind of just behind a little bit. They're still there, like getting maybe eight to 10 points, but. They're not like being a huge magnitude in terms of chalking up points, if you know what I'm saying. And this one, it wasn't like that. And we set that ground early because Roby had 10 points. Darius Baisley had 10 points. SGA had 10 points. And the man, the myth, the legend, Moneymaker Mike has 16 points in the first half. So nobody was missing, you know, when... The Blazers think they have one person figured out. You just kick it off to another guy and all hell is just breaking loose with Terry Stotts and his group of guys here. And, you know, we just kept the three ball rolling and that's why we never really crumbled. It's the live by the three, die by the three, I guess, saying here when it comes to the Thunder. And we've relied on the three a lot and it's and it's really just come to bite us in uh in the behind specifically the clippers games you could go back to other ones too but in the first it was not like that at all we were shooting 12 of 21 from three through those two quarters 57 percent from outside that's got to be our season high for a half hell you know i don't even know if we broke that in the cp3 season with us so we were just firing on all levels there, and we were actually surprisingly shooting worse in the two range. I guess that probably shouldn't be surprising because we didn't have the height advantage or anything, but yeah, when you combine our, our two-pointers with the threes, we, we were shooting just 53%. And for the Portland Trailblazers, 
I mean, they kind of had this same system where they had multiple scorers, but I feel like they were more in spurts. It, it was like, you know, Carmelo, I, I will say Carmelo did have the hot hand, but outside of his stretch, nobody else was like controlling. It was like every couple shots here and there, they're maybe getting it to fall. I didn't feel like anyone had us, you know, like under control. Maybe Anthony Simons at the end of the second quarter because uh, he piled up like five of seven points in a really quick span. But yeah, it was all evenly spread out, I'd say, uh, in terms of players scoring. So Anthony was leading them with 13. Damian Lillard, he had 12 by halftime. And then Gary Trent Jr., he had 10. And one guy that you cannot leave out, even though he did not crack double digits by half, was Cantor because he had seven points, 13 rebounds, with four of them coming on the offensive end. So we needed to lock them down. We needed to shut down Lillard, Anthony, if we wanted to stay in this one, as well as keep it going from outside. And we had a hard time containing the Blazers entering the second half. They tied the game early on in the third and that's kind of when we just went into attack mode we were playing it i wouldn't say safe because the three-pointer was truthfully our best option in the first half but times were kind of changing and we caught on to that early we did not let you know us figure out we were having you know some sort of issues outside before it was too late we recognized we needed to change the game plan mark dagnall did and they did that accordingly because Darius Baisley he was going back to driving in a ton SGA was running the fast breaks but also trying to ISO in the mid-range it wasn't all about working around the perimeter he was getting bigs switched on him like Canner he was on him a decent amount same with Giles when he got that matchup he was going right at them same with Baisley when he had an older or less mobile guy on him and because of that, just being able to kind of transfer our skills from the three to the two, we barely held on because the Portland Tra Trailblazers were giving us a hell of a ride in the third quarter. And it wasn't Carmelo Anthony being the primary guy. It really wasn't even Damian Lillard. It was Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons ends up scoring 11 points in the third quarter off four of five shooting. And this was the sidekick that I was worrying about for the Blazers. I never really referenced like who I thought would come up big for Portland. I think I said in my game preview, I don't know about uh, in this podcast yesterday, but I did say that like the Blazers would need a sidekick alongside Lillard to win this one. Anthony Simons looked like the guy due to his third quarter performance because we could not stop him. He literally looked like CJ McCollum in the third. So that was our big issue. We needed to stop, believe it or not, you know, the backup point guard for the Blazers if we wanted to remain in this one. And it was a bit scary because only having a three-point lead after being up that much, it's a bit nerve-wracking. But um, we, we had to just go into the fourth quarter and throw it out all on the line. We did not want to lose in this one. So the Trailblazers, they got their first taste of the lead since the first quarter. I think they had like a two-point lead or something. It wasn't a big deal. They were behind, but they finally got a lead in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes to go. And it was a one-point 95-94 to 94 
lead. But what the Thunder did, they ran right back with an 11-3 run of its own. And it was through the second unit again. And I told you guys, the second unit kind of ended up being big in the second quarter. Uh, I know they started a bit slow, but they got back together. Same thing here. Let the Blazers get just a little bit of a glimpse of what it looks like to be on the high side. And then you just take it right back. Give us that gigantic run. And, you know, now they're they're kind of just stuck where they were in the uh, second quarter. They got a lot of ground to cover with minuscule time. And it was off of Poku. He hits a big three, like a pull-up swoosh. When you see Poku swish a three-pointer, like... Something goes on, man. I don't know what it is, but you just kind of just feel it. Like, that's one of the most satisfying feelings you can get watching a basketball game. Pokachevsky nailing a three. It's such like a live line drive shot. When it when it misses, it's like just a clank. And it's like, oh my god, are you serious? But when it falls, man, it it is soft. It is soft and it is satisfying. So he hits that. And then Mike Muscala. You know, he's not about the graceful three ball at this point in time. He wants to attack because they expect him to be shooting the three. He goes right at the Blazers' defense, gets a layup. It should have been an and one, and it actually was. He just didn't hit the free throw. And then after that, Diallo, he wanted to play iso ball. You know, once you know the Blazers kind of start looking at other pieces, that's when Diallo strikes and gets you two easy layups just out of nowhere. And... The bench unit put us up 10 again. So the Thunder had a 113-103 lead by the time these starters got into the game. And they kept the ball rolling. And both sides were just kind of going down low. They were doing their, their own thing here. I mean, everybody seemed to be in, like in their own hot streaks. It wasn't like the defense was the uh, the big factor in the fourth quarter. It was not. It was offensive firepower all the way around. And, you know, what What it led to was we were just doing so well on offense. Both teams were. That fouling became a critical part by the end of the game. And every single mispossession was costly. And when you get a controversial shooting foul, if it's made wrong, like if they accidentally miss a call or they mess it up like they give you free throws and you shouldn't have gotten it. That's an absolute shifter in the entire game. And both teams had some controversial calls, I'd say like three or four minutes ago. They could have used their challenge and they may have been successful. Neither teams chose to do so. So, you know, you really didn't know what to make of it. Like both teams had a shot to kind of get the momentum. Neither of them took it. So the game just moved on, and Portland, they actually had to close a 9-point gap in 4 minutes because they still had this like 10-point lead they were kind of digging at, and they just went to instant 3-point shooting mode. So Lillard, he gets a 3 at the top of the key, he just pulls it, Ennis Cantor gets the rebound, there's a loose ball foul, so they get to just retry again. Same exact play, Lillard pulls up from 3, misses, Cantor gets the rebound, Loose ball foul again. So they get another chance. And this time, Lillard finds Carmelo Anthony in the quarter, in the corner, who, 
yeah, he was a little bit quiet in the fourth, but when it mattered, at least at that point in time, he showed up. So he buries that triple to cut the deficit to just six. And then Darius Baisley, he comes back with a clutch three. You know, we have not seen a lot of threes from him in these last couple games, at least shooting very well. No, he was he was just fine in this one, and he definitely showed us why. Uh, why, uh, you know, he was so confident and so good whenever he hits one of the biggest shots of the game for us to push it back up to a nine-point lead. And the Blazers, they get the little layup in to uh, cut the score down to seven with a minute 30 to go. And then they get the ball back. Mello bricks a three. SGA drives in on the other side and has a wide open Isaiah Roby on the left wing. If Roby hits this shot, it should pretty much be over unless there's some sort of miracle. So Roby gets it with this space. He pulls it. It was no good. So the Blazers got their chance to cut it down. And there's like some sort of air ball here by Anthony Simons. He thought, you know, he was going to be the X factor in the fourth. So he does like a step back, long two or three, absolute air ball. But Ennis Cantor, he like taps the ball out of midair. Like there's a second left on the shot clock. So if he gathers it, it's a, it's a violation. He knows that. So he just kind of just flicks his arms up whenever the ball gets near him hits the backboard, and it goes in. So he cuts it to five on this crazy circus shot. And then it turned into a free throw contest. And SGA was the first one to be lined up for it. He ended up going one of two from the line. So the lead was just six with 31 seconds to go. And Damian Lillard becomes the focal point of the three-point shooting game. They need more threes. They're not going to the twos. They need threes right now. So Lillard gets it, and he just starts, like, flailing his arms around. He goes up for a shot, and he's just, like, clamped up by Lou Dort. He has no space whatsoever. Goes up for the shot. There's there's some contact, obvious contact, whether it was with Lillard or the ball. Dort makes contact with something, and it affects Lillard's shot. So his arms go flailing around. The ball really doesn't go anywhere. The ref, Ed Malloy, of course of all refs, it's Ed Malloy. He calls the foul. That's a shooting foul. Lillard's going to get three free throws. Well, Dort was adamant he got all ball. So you know what he did? He went right over to Mark Dagnall. He wanted the challenge. Dagnall, he kept that challenge in his back pocket. He could have used it a couple minutes ago, and he probably would have won. He would have won the challenge. But he held it until the perfect moment. And this was the best moment possible because Lillard being able to cut it to three would have just made this anyone's ball game because it was clear the Blazers kind of were just right there with us. They were going to take the lead if, you know, they were given like a one possession opportunity. That's how hot some of these guys were for them. So Dagnault challenges. They discuss for like five minutes and then they rule it successful. So it is a jump ball at center court, no free throws for Lillard, and we end up getting that jumped ball. And SGA gets that gets the jump ball, and he has two free throws again. Hit them both, or even hit one. Game should be over. First one, it's no good. Second one, 
it is also no good. So it's still a six-point lead for the Thunder. And Lillard ends up getting a three off of, like, two double screens. He just comes, like, right back at him. Double screen, and then pops it. Nails the triple. It is a three-point game with 5.1 seconds to go. And SGA gets the ball off our inbound for some more free throws. He just needs to really hit one of these for us to win. If you hit two, you think you're in good shape. So he goes to the line, misses the first, and that's when it gets uh, a tad bit scary here. And then the second free throw he, he hits. So the lead is up to four. And Lillard gets the ball, and he just goes straight to the corner. They call a timeout to advance, throw it to Lillard. He runs to the corner off of some more screens, pulls it, has like no room, but he still converts on it. And it looked like a three. It's actually ruled a two. two. So really long two. Lillard hits due to his foot being on the line. Cuts the game to just two points with 1.5 seconds to go. And... The Thunder smartly, since they had a timeout, they advanced it. You know, I was thinking, you know, me trying to pretend to be a coach, I was thinking that OKC could just chuck it into, like, a cluster of players. Like, just throw everybody near each other. Maybe you can rip out, like, a dodgeball throw. Just launch it at, like, a Blazers guy. Hits them. Ball's rolling for a minute. Or a minute, what the hell. For, like, a second. They can't get the ball and, and chuck it up from full court and make it. No way. So I was trying to get a little imaginative on the playbook. Dagnall was not. He just wanted a simple inbounds pass. And Kenrich Williams throws a pretty risky one to SGA. Luckily, he gets it. But yeah, so it could have gone either way. Like if Lillard would have turned around, he would have picked this pass off cleanly. And he would have had a chance to win it off of full court. Which if he made... Oh, man, I, I would never be able to get over Damian Lillard uh, if I'm I'm not even over him already. Like, if he made that three, sheesh. Ah, Thunder fans would not hear the end of that one. So, Lillard didn't get there. He had to foul SGA. There's like 0.8 seconds left. So, SGA, he could hit, you know, both of these, extend it to four. That's ball game. Or hit the first, miss the second. And you should come out of this victorious because they can't get it and launch it that far. Now, obviously, you limit your options if you miss the first. But SGA made the first, and either option should have been cool. He intentionally missed it um, off the front iron. And by the time the Blazers were able to get the shot or get the rebound, it's pretty much too late. You kind of crank it down. Lillard may have gotten the shot off. But there was no way he had enough time to concentrate on it. It was way short. And the Thunder escaped with this one 125 to 122. And the first thing that just kind of I thought of after this game, number one, it was a really great win. But, I mean, our play style in this one was kind of different than what I remember seeing. And especially from downtown. Like, we have been shooting a lot of threes. In fact, 44.7% of the Thunder shots leading up to this game were from downtown. But it seemed like we were shooting way more than usual. And that's because we did. 40 of our 84 shots were triples. 
that's 48%. So almost 50% of our shots were from deep range. And the Blazers, I mean, they're all about shooting threes. They didn't stray away from it either. They normally shoot 46.6% of their shots outside. Only shot 42% of them from outside. They shot 42 of their 99 attempts from the three-point line. But, wow, man. Just all-around great offensive display here. I mean, we really just were playing our game in the shoes of the Los Angeles Clippers. And it gives you a good sense of just how good we probably were fighting LA, uh, especially on Sunday. Like, we never got out of the equation. And you kind of just always have this gut feeling that maybe we can lose the lead. That's what it felt like against the Blazers. We get the 17-point lead early, but you never can be safe. And the Blazers did a hell of a job making this a very close one. And if they won this one, I wouldn't have been surprised. They played so, so well in this. They just were a little bit short. Thunder end up just sneaking right by to improve to 7-9. and nine. But yeah, so I, I think it just tells you how much of a fight we did on Sunday. And this one tells you how much of a fight the Trailblazers had. But the ultimate reason why we were able to come out on top was just the three-point shooting. We go from barely shooting above 30% in our past two games to shooting 45% from downtown. We shoot 18 of 40. Nobody could stop us out there. And it wasn't just one guy. I'll go into the main person in a second. But I mean, we're just going to run down the line. Only three of our players who were out there tonight didn't make a three. And only one player who was active did not shoot a triple. And that was uh, Hamadou Diallo. So everyone was trying to get active from downtown. And the players who were successful became a huge asset for us. Because it opened up the penetration for the late game. As well as just being able to get physical down low and get some calls inside. Not only did we cash in on 18 triples, but we also got to the line 35 times. I don't remember a, a single time where we had that many free throws. I was complaining about the refs giving the LA Clippers 26 free throws on Friday. Oh my goodness. If the Blazers would have had 35 tonight, I would have been absolutely heated. But, I, hey, I, I think we earned our free throws, our trips to the line, because we were just in straight-up attack mode whenever we weren't trying to go to the perimeter. It was all about the pace here. It was pace and space. If we didn't have a wide-open jumper, that's when we went in, and that's when we either got a layup or got a call here. And Isaiah Roby, he had seven free throws in this game. Made all seven of them. And then SGA, he had ten. He only made five of those, but he still was able to get down there. That pick and roll hurt them big time, and it showed in the stat sheet. And even people like Baisley, who is penetrating more than usual, he gets six trips to the free throw line. And then other people... They're also getting a lot of attempts. Hamadou Diallo had six. He only made one. If we would have made all our free throws in this game, it wouldn't have even been close. We shot just 21 of 35 from the charity stripe, so just 
that's pretty, that's like, that's not pretty bad. That is really, really bad. So really below average numbers. You don't want to see that. Luckily, the shooting <laughs> ended up saving us because, you know, the Trailblazers, they were not missing their free throws whatsoever. They shot 16 of 21 from the line. So 76%, but definitely a very big step up from ours, our percentages. And, I mean, just looking at our players, man, so many great group efforts here. You need to start with Mike Muscala, though. And he only played 21 minutes, even though he's doing so well. I thought that in the late game, Muscala would just have the whole entire fourth quarter to himself. But he, he was pulled, and he seemed okay with it. Roby did just fine in closing the game out, but Muscala, he would have done a hell of a job as well. He had 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting, but he shot 6 of 10 from 3. That is a career high for him. Six three-pointers in a game, something you have never seen from Muscala until Monday night. So congrats to him. Rebound-wise, he wasn't all there, but he really didn't need to be active getting the rebounds. His job was stretching out the floor, and if he was not able to stretch the defense is out. We would have lost the game. It's as simple as that. He was the just secret weapon we had. He had been cold the previous games. Finally, he starts feeling it early and he just continued to have his fire rekindled over and over again outside. And hey, I mean, Harry Giles and Ennis Cantor, they aren't that mobile. So they weren't even guarding him some of these times. So they had to make some adjustments to try to get like guards and forwards on him. He can just kick it out and, you know, they can just find other people to score from three because everyone kind of got hot after seeing what Muscala was doing for them. So big props to him. He definitely is my player of the game, but there's still many more players who balled out of their minds. SGA, 24 points in 32 minutes, 8 of 12 shooting, just like Muscala. And 3 of 4 from outside. 9 rebounds and 6 assists to go with that as well. So he also was just shooting it from 3. And he was more like the drive-in and dish player. Like in the opening stages. I think in the second half. That's more of when he went into attack mode. And he was like, I need to be the guy who comes up in the clutch. He did enough for us with those free throws. Obviously, he could have made more. But you don't want to nitpick that because he did exactly what we wanted to. And he put us in a position to where, you know, we were able to have some slip ups and still win the game ultimately. So great passing by him. And whenever he was passing it out, making other people threats, he himself became an even bigger threat when he wanted to try to operate inside as well as working in the mid range and the three. So great game from SGA. I think he did an excellent job on the task of Damian Lillard. And then moving on, how about Darius Baisley? He has not had like a great, great performance that I remember until, or, or since like maybe the second or third game into our New Year's trip. Like after that, he just went cold. Not much was going for him. He's been like slowly playing decent in these past couple ones. I think he had double digits and maybe like two of his last three. 
And this one, he almost eclipses the 20-point mark with his 19-point performance on 6 of 11 shooting, 3 of 6 from downtown, and then the 4 of 6 from the free throw line. So the activity was all over the place, even crashing the glass with his 7 boards and his 2 assists. He did anything you wanted him to out there. He wasn't just limited to being the spot-up corner guy. He did not want to do that. Okay, so he can get it in the corner. He'll still shoot it. But he wanted to kind of get an integral role in the game. So he's getting the ball. He sees the mismatch when it comes to size, athleticism, whatever. And he just goes right at it. He wasn't hesitating on anything. And that's really what was holding him back in the past. Like, he's always shown he can get wherever he wants on the floor when he sees, you know, someone is not capable of defending him. He saw that with Carmelo Anthony for whatever reason tonight. And he went right at him over and over again. Whether he wanted to penetrate, spot up, he was doing it for you. And then even being aggressive and uh, going to the line. So good for Baisley finally getting back to his regular self. Hopefully, hopefully he can just remain this way. Because if Baisley can just stay in this form... Oh boy, there are going to be a lot more W's coming to the Thunder. Or at least close games coming to the Thunder in the near future. Oh my gosh, there's so much potential if he stays the way he played against the Blazers. And then how about Isaiah Roby talking about potential? Jeez, man, he gets thrown right into everything again with Horford not being there. He gets thrown on to one of the best rebounders in the entire league with Canner. And he's able to get down low. He didn't get the rebounds because he only had three. But just working on the inside with Canner. Canner's not that good in the pick and roll. Roby was rolling big time. So Roby's getting it and just laying it right back up or just slamming it down hard. He went for like a crazy posterizer. I think his confidence levels were just skyrocketing. I think he tried dunking on Nasir Little down low. It got rejected, but he bounced right back. He had an even cooler dunk. A little bit later, like if he would have got the posterizer, it wouldn't have been as cool as a dunk he had, like longer down down the road in the game. So Roby, he didn't get phased by anything. When Canner was really just bullying him inside, it didn't ever get to him, and he just did what he needed to do in terms of setting the screens and staying outside to kind of space the floor out a little bit. So I loved him on both ends of the floor and even got two blocks in this game so he was able to contest shots despite being a little bit smaller when we're looking at other people i mean we still got diallo who was killing it in the iso game when he needed to kenrich williams was a guy who probably went under the radar of some people his defensive performance was so so good and all you're gonna see from his stat line is one steal but that one steal was big time. They were doing the little extra pass over and over again. They had an advantage. They had like three people on the perimeter. We only had two defenders, right? And this is something that I actually praised Kenrich Williams for being able to do before this game, by the way. He's really good at just getting into passing lanes and disrupting plays like this where they have an open man. He just anticipates a pass to the wing and he knows that the wing player, once he gets the ball, he's kicking it out to the top of the key for the three. That's the guy that they want because, you know, the attention's not going to be on 
top of the key guy. It's going to be on corner and wing. So what Williams does is he just beelines right to the left side of the guy on the wing. Because if he's on the right wing, if he's got a dude right in front of him on the left side, you know where he's throwing the ball at? Right into the defender's face. Now, Kendrick Williams, it didn't hit his face or anything. It hit like his armpit area. But he got right in between this pass that he was just looking for. The Blazers guy was not expecting Williams to be there. Kind of just came in there, snap of the finger, gets the ball jarred off the pass, goes flying, turns into like some fast break opportunity. So he gets it and gets the left-handed finger roll to go. That was the biggest play I saw from him. Really just showed you how well he was doing on defense and offense. And he got to play 22 minutes because he was able to stop people on D. You got to mention Justin Jackson too. Normally, I'm not always talkative about um, Justin, but I think you need to give him props because he has kind of just been a guy that never has a role similar to Williams, but even at a bigger scale. Like Justin Jackson went from starting a game to not playing for like eight. And if he did, it was like four minutes or something. He gets in this one for just 16 and sure he shoots O of two, but I mean, he was able to get in and get some easy floaters to go. That's his go-to. Whenever it's working, it's working. I don't know how he does it because Jackson's kind of slow. And whenever he's got like small forwards or power forwards on him, he's not beating them to the rim. So he kind of ends up getting like trapped on the baseline. And will just like throw up this right-handed runner. And he was actually getting fouled and he was making them. I wasn't too confident in that shot until today. He impressed me big time with that showing right there. But, I mean, even looking at other people like Dort and Maladone, they didn't drop double digits for the starting unit, but they were still pretty great. I mean, Lou Dort, he had to handle Damian Lillard and he stopped him pretty much the entire game. Like, Damian Lillard was a guy who was dropping 30 pieces pretty much this entire month. Damian Lillard dropped 26 points, but it was on 8 of 23 shooting and 3 of 13 from downtown. So he didn't get the kind of numbers or percentages that he needed to keep them in this game. And it's because Dort was all over him. And especially when it mattered at the end of the game. Like, Dort was smothering Lillard. Lillard's past couple shots, like, to keep him in the game, were straight up ridiculous. Dort couldn't have played it any better than he did. So I think it goes to both sides. Great showing from Dort at the end. Same with Lillard. Dort stayed composed when he had four fouls. He had four fouls in the third quarter. Ran the entire fourth quarter at 100%, despite having fouling troubles. Kept it composed. He played our team's leading number of minutes with 30 in this one and then Maladone he only played 22 for us starting but if you really expected him to be like playing 35 of course that's not going to happen we just wanted to see how Maladone kind of meshed with some of our other guys and he played pretty solid whenever it came to getting passes off early on in the game Maladone was the player that we needed he set the tone for trying to get other players open and he was a key part of that. Like, without Maladone, if we swapped him with Hill, sure. Honestly, I probably think Hill would have been great at passing. But Maladone, he did it as 
about as flawlessly as a 19-year-old rookie could do. So Maladon's passing was excellent from three, two of five. He's always shooting two of five from three. Like, check the box scores. I feel like almost half these games, Maladon shoots two of five, whether it's three in, in total from the field goal, whatever, whatever it may be. Maladon just always seems to be hovering around there. And, you know, that's good enough for me, especially from distance. So good from him. Everybody on our team was excellent. We all had our moments there. And the only guy I didn't mention was Poku. Uh, of course, I need to mention him. He shot two of four from downtown and had three rebounds and two assists. So like seeing him getting the threes in. And for the Blazers, I mean, their entire offense was kind of just based around trying to get Lillard I mean, since he had 26. But listen to this. I didn't really recognize this until I checked the box score, but they had four people who scored over 20 points. Anthony Simons actually did play like CJ McCollum when it came down to it. 26 points on 10 of 17 shooting, 6 of 10 from deep with two rebounds and an assist. So he was a shot creator that gave them a chance in the fourth due to how well he was in the third. Gary Trent Jr., who I didn't mention a lot, if at all, he had 22 points in his start on 9 of 17 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3. So he was creating it too. And then Carmelo Anthony, who I talked about playing extremely well around the second and third quarters, cooled off a bit, but he still had 22 points on 9 of 21 shooting. Never able to get it from 3 though, just shooting 1 of 6. So as you can see, I mean, they had a lot of guys who kind of seemed unstoppable by the end of the uh, the end of the game when you look at it. But despite it, we still were able to stay strong. And it wasn't just the points that we were fending off. It was the rebounds. Ennis Cantor had 22 rebounds in the game, seven of those being offensive. We didn't make that control us. You know, whenever we had... Zubach and Serge Ibaka out rebounding us on Friday. We kind of shriveled up. We did not do that in this one. We all fought. I don't know why I'm saying we, because obviously I'm not playing, but you know, the Thunder guys, they didn't shy away from people getting offensive rebounds. They embraced it and it made them work two times as hard all around the court. So excellent win by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really, you couldn't have drawn this up any better. And hey, this is probably the perfect team to be sending home with a loss. They are now 9-7. They're going to be dropping down a bit in these standings. And as for us with our 7-9 record, we will see how everything shapes out due to uh, playing when most teams have off days. So we'll see what kind of effect this has in the regular season standings in the next coming day. But yeah, absolute great win. Couldn't have thought this up any better. And our final game of our five-game road trip will be heading to Phoenix, Arizona. We are reuniting with not only Chris Paul, but Abdel Nader. Whenever we face off against these Suns, that game will be on at 8 p.m. And I'll be making sure to keep you all updated with that game. And I will get you all a preview on that one shortly. But... Other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all 
next time. See ya.